Well, I ask that you would stand as we read Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the stand which is by the seashore. All of these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly, they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the way you can shift our focus off of the things that would bring us down, the things that would cause us concern and worry and heartache. And Father, we ask that you would turn our focus toward you. Help us this morning to think about heaven. And Father, we know that when we think about heaven, it can work a remarkable difference in our lives. And Father, we need that difference today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm thinking about heaven. And you need to think about heaven. In this passage of scripture, we'll zero in on Abraham. It says, Abraham... By faith, obeyed when he went out and went to a place he didn't know where he was going. He took the trouble to travel. He went through the discomfort of living in tents. And he did exactly what God told him to do because it said he was waiting for a city whose foundations and builder is God. Now the King James Version says he was looking for a city. 
Other English translations will say he was anticipating a city. Well, to wait and to look may imply some sort of a doubt as whether that city would be there, but actually the original Greek says this, he was expecting it with eager anticipation. He was ready for it. He was expecting it. He knew it would come. Abraham was thinking about heaven, and it made a difference in his life. And when we think about heaven, it will make a difference in our life too. Now, the most obvious difference that it makes when we think about heaven, it certainly comforts us in our sorrow and grief. And when we stand here to preach a funeral or talk to people who are having to go through that valley because they've lost a loved one, we understand how important it is to think about heaven. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He's talking to some folks that were upset. They were grieving over the fact they had lost loved ones. They didn't know exactly how all of this was going to turn out. But Paul puts it all into perspective. And he eases their mind by focusing their attention on heaven. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, you know the passage of Scripture. We read it often. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Thus those who have passed away. They lost these loved ones. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those that are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus shall we always be with the Lord. Where is the Lord? He's in heaven. And then he says this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Where do we find comfort in our grief? He says in these words. And what are these words? These are words that focus our attention on heaven. And when we think about heaven, it sustains us and comforts us in our sorrow and grief. Now, some things we need to understand. First of all, loss and grief are inevitable. We go through loss and grief. And I've had families say, what did I do wrong that God's punishing me for this? Every family will go through loss and grief. D.A. Carson said it this way, all we have to do is live long enough and we'll have grief because these bodies are so limited and so fragile. All of us will lose loved ones. There's a second thing we need to settle right from the start. Sorrow and tears are not a sign of weakness. And tears are not a sign of a lack of faith. In fact, David said it this way in Psalms chapter 6, verse 6. I water my couch with my tears. He said it another way in chapter 56 of the book of Psalms. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not written in your book? God sees every tears. One poet 
I'm not sure who said it, said it this way. Tears are the soap of the soul. And tears are not a sign of weakness. God has put within us a heart that wants to hold on to the people we love. That's what holds families together. And when we lose loved ones and someone has to apologize because they just fell apart and cried, you don't have to apologize. It's not a sign of weakness. Yes, we sorrow and we cry and we grieve, but the Apostle Paul said it this way, we do not sorrow like those without hope. Or let us just turn that coin around. We sorrow, but we sorrow with hope. We sorrow with hope. And we sorrow with hope. Why? Because we're thinking about heaven. And we know heaven is real. And like Abraham, we're looking for that city. We're anticipating that city. We've got our mind on that city. So when sorrow comes, our sorrow is alleviated and we can cope and even excel in our sorrow because we're thinking about heaven. Now, Paul summarized this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Familiar passage of scripture. We want to get a good grip on this before we go forward. Second Corinthians chapter 5. In fact, we're going to back up to verse uh, 16 of chapter 4 because he makes a very bold statement. He makes a very bold statement. And he says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. I think the King James says, We faint not. We don't lose heart. You ever lost heart? You ever came close to just giving up and losing all hope, the Apostle Paul said, we don't lose heart. And then he goes on to explain in chapter 5, verse 1, for we know that if the earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What is he saying? We know that even if this body is destroyed, I'm thinking about heaven. We have an eternal home in heaven, not made with hands. In verse 6, we are always confident, knowing while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Isn't that something when he said we walk by faith and not by sight? Abraham walked by faith, and Abraham looked for a city. Abraham thought about heaven. That was all part of his faith. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. We walk by faith, not by sight. What we see is sorrow and grief, but in our eyes of faith, we see past that, and we're thinking about heaven. Therefore, we don't sorrow like those who have no hope because we have hope. And our grief is bearable because we're thinking about heaven. What, what kind is this house in heaven? Well, John summarizes it. In the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation, I mentioned this the other day, and you'll hear me mention it a lot of times. We don't know a whole lot about heaven, but here's one thing I do know. The apostle John says there's no more death, 
nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away, and God wipes every tear from their eyes. Do we need to know anything else about heaven? Isn't that enough to know about heaven? No more sorrow, no death, no crying, neither shall there be what? Any more pain. So therefore we lose a loved one. We know they're in heaven. What's not in heaven? Pain. That's enough for me to be able to bear up under my grief and loss. It comforts us in our sorrow and grief, but it also soothes us in our suffering. You know, the Bible is honest. It's very brutally honest to us. In this past description, the book of 2 Corinthians, we have this very beautiful thought in verse 1, and then it brings us down to reality in verse 2. He says, in this we groan. Now, now, what's he talking about? He's talking about this earthly body that's compared to a tent. And he says, in this body, we groan. Now, why in the world would we be groaning? It's because this body hurts sometimes. Now, some groan more than others. And some of us are groaning more than ever. These bodies, if it's not hurting now... It's going to hurt. Why? Because these bodies are fragile. The Bible compares them to a tent. The Bible compares them to a clay pot. The Bible compares us to a, a, a flower, a piece of grass. That's not very impressive. And sooner or later, something's going to break. Something's going to rip. Something's going to get sick. Something's going to hurt. In this body, we groan. But even in our suffering and in our hurts we're thinking about heaven and that helps us to get along because back up to chapter 4 verse 7 this is all together this is all together you know there weren't chapter divisions when Paul wrote this so when it says we know this earthly house of this tabernacle were destroyed I'm thinking about heaven I'm thinking about that eternal home that's all part of the discussion that says this we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And listen to this in verse 8. We're hard-pressed on every side. That's pretty honest, isn't it? We're hard-pressed, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, struck down, but not destroyed. He's honest, said there's some things that are hurting us. But then he says, but it hasn't completely destroyed us. Why doesn't it destroy us? How can we carry on in the darkest of valleys and the hardest of burdens when we don't see any answers to our problems? We look past that and we think about heaven. That keeps us going. That keeps us going and he says we don't lose heart because we're thinking about heaven. And it helps us in our suffering. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he reiterates this. And we're talking about two different people talking about the same thing and coming to the same conclusion. And Peter writes this. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in where? Heaven for you. So he says, I'm thinking about heaven today. 
You're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in what? Thinking about heaven. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while you be grieved with various trials, different kinds of troubles. You are grieved with different kinds of troubles. And he didn't say you can endure through different kinds of troubles. He said you can rejoice in different kinds of troubles. We don't just endure, we excel. We don't just hold up, we rejoice. And he continues on, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That sounds like the, the ultimate joy that you could have. And he didn't say you rejoice with all this joy because everything's going perfect. And all the problems have been solved and there's no issues in your life that causes you pain. He said you are suffering through different kinds of trials. But in these trials, you can rejoice. Why? Because we're thinking about heaven. The outlook may be pretty grim. But folks, the uplook is really wonderful. So therefore... We are going to, all of us, sooner or later, we're going to hurt and suffer. Why? Because we live in a broken world. And this world was never meant to be our eternal home because God has something better for us. So while we go through here and we face trials that sometimes are unimaginable. I've seen families in our church go through unimaginable without words to describe the valleys they go through. But on the authority of God's word, we can rejoice even in that because we know this isn't all that there is. There's something far better. I've got a home in heaven. I'm thinking about heaven so I can rejoice even in my hurts. And then thirdly, I'm thinking about heaven. Thinking about heaven sustains us in our service. Now we circle back around to the passage of scripture that we read at the very outset. Abraham, by faith, Abraham moved out of his home territory. He moved out of a home, a real house. And it says he moved out and went to a foreign country. That was going to be his one day. But when he moved there, he was like a stranger in a foreign land. And he lived in tents in that foreign land. He lived in a tent. That's very, very uncomfortable. He moved out. He obeyed God. He suffered hardship. He suffered doubts. He suffered uncertainty. He didn't know where he was going. No doubt he suffered some disappointment. The things didn't work out like he planned. But what kept him going? He thought about heaven. And when he thought about heaven, it says literally, he's looking for a city whose foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He's looking for that city. He's waiting for that city. He's thinking about heaven. Therefore, it made a difference in how he worked for God. It made a difference in how he obeyed God. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, it says, since you're lived, risen with Christ, set your affection on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Seek the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. In other words, keep your mind on heaven. Jesus said it this way. He says, what are you living for? Don't live for the things down here, stuff, stuff. 
that you're going to eventually leave behind, and it'll all disappoint you. Well, he said it this way. Don't lay up treasures on the earth where moth will eat it, rust will come in and corrupt it, and all and thieves break through and steal. In other words, all the stuff that we think is important, the physical stuff, sooner or later is going to break, it's going to run down, it's going to go bad, it's going to crash like computers do, it's going to fade, it's going to get too small where we can't wear it like clothes do. Sooner or later it'll all get bad. But he said this in chapter 5, verse 6 of Matthew, Lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. What are we living for? What are we working for? What are we focused on? What's our purpose in life? Is it all the stuff down here? Jesus said, think about what we're putting away up there. And then one more passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We know the latter part of this passage, but I want to back up a bit. Because Paul is thinking about heaven when he writes this passage of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 47. The first man was of the earth. He's talking about Adam. Made of dust. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. And he's talking about the first man, Adam. And he's talking about the Lord, Jesus Christ. As the man was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of the heavenly and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about in our natural state, we're dust. But oh, in Jesus Christ, we're not earthly material anymore. We're heavenly material anymore. So what's Paul doing? Paul's thinking about heaven. And Paul's saying we need to start identifying with heaven, not with the earth. So he's trying to get the mindset of all these hearers on heaven. And he continues. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment and twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we all shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of all of this... My beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I like that last verse, verse 58. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, always excelling in the work of the Lord. Why? Therefore means because of heaven. I'm thinking about heaven. 
I'm thinking about you're the heavenly man now. I'm thinking about going up there and living for eternity with Jesus Christ and the victory of God which brings heaven to us. And he says, therefore, because of this, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because as long as our focus is down here, we will want to quit. Hardship makes us want to quit. Other people make us want to quit. Disappointment makes us want to quit. But when we keep our eye on heaven, like Abraham, looking for that city, we can be excellent in our service for God. It'll make a difference in how we serve when we're looking for heaven. When we keep our eyes off of heaven, that will make a difference in how we serve. And you see what Apostle Paul is saying this. Don't slack up, don't slow up, don't give up. Just look up and keep on going because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm thinking about heaven. What about you? Our musicians are coming. Can you think about heaven and know without a doubt, I'm going there one day. You see, the only way that we know that we're going to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Without Jesus Christ, we're disqualified from heaven. Sin just keeps us out. But through Jesus Christ, salvation is possible. I'm thinking about heaven. When I think about heaven, that gives me joy. Not because I have earned heaven or would ever deserve heaven. I'm thinking about heaven and I can rejoice because Jesus Christ paid the price so that I have that eternal home reserved. You thinking about heaven? When you think about heaven, are you sure? Have you lost sight of heaven because of hurt and sorrow or maybe some other distractions? You know, the apostle Paul said, these people, if they were reminded from where they came, they pretty well may have turned around and looked that way. But he said, we keep our eye on heaven and we look for that city and it makes a difference in how we serve. It, takes a, it makes a difference in how we hold up under pressure. We need to think about heaven. If there's a decision you need to make, make it this morning as we stand and sing. Number 107.